Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. The show that harkens back to the days of... Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I'm your host, Brian Levine, coming to you in the dog days of August. And uh, home at the recording studio built here in my office just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. On uh, this week's show, I will answer the uh, seven experts question of what is a specific aspect or dimension that a pipe must have in order for me to purchase it. Uh, My guest this week is uh, Neil Osborne. Many of you will know him from Instagram as NPod101. And then we'll have uh, not music this week, but we have some entertainment for you. Mailbag and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Uh, Let's get all the business out of the way now. Remember, you must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to listen to this fine show. Uh, If you are on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever you can leave a rating or review, we would greatly appreciate that. Uh, You tell all your friends about the Pipes Magazine radio show and remind them. Uh, So this question's come up occasionally that some people don't understand what a podcast is. Well, it's a digitally recorded audio file that is made available for you to download or stream and you can listen to any of the shows you want at any time all the way back to the very beginning those shows are all still sitting there available for you to listen to on any of the podcast players that uh, that are available and as well as going on to pipesmagazine.com, you can find links to them all there. Uh, new shows go up every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. That's what time they are posted and made available. And the entire catalog is still sitting there waiting. So let your friends know there's over 400 plus hours of pipe smoking uh, talk and entertainment and, uh, you know, other stuff like that all waiting there so uh please make sure and share the show out wherever you are all right let's get the show rolling so everybody sit back relax fire up a bowl thank you all for tuning in and here we go this is phil morgan general manager of missouri meersham corncob pipes in washington missouri Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with uh, with the Ask the Expert question for me of what is a specific aspect or dimension that a pipe must have in order for you to purchase it? Well, uh, with the sarcastic side of me saying it has to have a hole for the tobacco and a hole for you know a stem on it, um, those are specific. Um, I have I I don't have a tried and true specific measurement because I buy pipes for myself for various reasons and different times. Uh, Just for example, today I was smoking a very small pot shaped, almost, you know, a little cherry shaped bowl that was less than an inch deep and just a hair over three quarters of an inch wide. And I like that for my breakfast Virginias. Uh, at the same time, last night when I sat down in the reclining chair to watch a movie, well, I had a much bigger pipe with dimensions that don't work. But again, it was it's a bigger pipe that's too big to clench, so it's a hand holder so I can set it down and pick it up and so on and so on. 
Now, taking the extremes out of the picture, all right, the small pipes for my Virginias in the morning or the bigger pipes for sitting around the reclining chair, taking those out of the way, the core of my pipe smoking collection or assortment of pipes that I smoke on a regular basis, uh, the core of them have these basic dimensions. Are you ready? A uh, bowl tobacco chamber is one and a half inches deep. Uh, tobacco chamber is three quarters of an inch wide, maybe up to uh, four fifths of an inch wide. Is that right? Yeah, four fifths. So 0. 0.8. Uh, so from 0. 0.75 to 0. 0.8, maybe. And then the bowl walls around the pipe have to be at least a quarter inch thick. Now, those are what I consider to be my main smoking pipes. And the size that I like them in is, you know, between four, uh, five inches long up to six, six and a half inches long. Um, I like shanks that are more wood than they are stem. So a lot of Lovats slash Lumbermans slash not any real. Well, I think I have a couple of real Canadians. Um but that's the that's where the uh, where the heart of my real smoking pipes are. Those are the pipes that when I travel, I take two or three or four of the five inchers, and they all have the same basic dimensions. You know, again, maybe three quarters, a 0.75 inch tobacco chamber wide up to 0.8. Uh, these pipes are all five inches, five and a quarter inches. Uh, those are the ones that I take when I travel. I tend not to take the longer ones with me, but when I'm here at home and I'm doing yard work or working at the desk or whatever it is, I've got those more, uh, that, yeah, uh, it's kind of been coined as a workhorse pipe because that extra tobacco chamber, uh, the extra bowl wall thickness makes them a little more durable. Uh, the style allows for a little bit thicker kind of shank. So again, if I'm out doing yard work or if I'm driving with them in the car, I'm not so much worried about them because they're not as fragile. But that's where if I looked at my pipe cabinet, I would say over half of the pipes that I own fit into that, uh, you know, into that category. Um, as a pipe starts to, if a pipe starts to get too heavy or, you know, over, uh, 55, 50 grams and heading towards the two ounce level, well, that makes it hard for that pipe to fit into that class because then I can't really clench it in my mouth. Doesn't make it a good driving pipe. It makes it a little too heavy. And then I want to start holding, you know, hand holding it. Uh, the other thing is most of those pipes are sandblasted yeah i really prefer a sandblasted pipe over a smooth uh for you know i i think they do smoke a little more a little cooler i think i'm a little more comfortable smoking them because they're less delicate when it comes to getting them scratched uh i think that you know in some cases if you're looking at some at at most pipe makers you can get two sandblasted pipes for the price of one smooth pipe and you might get, yeah, I don't know how much more enjoyment you get out of seeing all that beautiful straight grain, but to me when it comes to the core of my collection and those workhorse pipes, you know what? I'd rather have two really good sandblasted pipes than have one smooth because I'm going to get more use out of it. So there's my dimensions, there's my thoughts on it, but again, I've broken every rule in that because I have super small delicate, I have super big, you know, I've got one pipe that I can, that I can pack it and smoke it for three, three and a half, almost four hours, and all I have to do is dump the ash out of the bowl two or three times, so yeah, that makes for, that makes for a long time in the reclining chair. Anyway, there's my thoughts, comments, questions. Email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page and I will get to them. And in just a moment, my conversation with Neil Osborne. This is Internet Radio. 
A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is... uh, Somebody that, uh, you know, if you're on Instagram and you've ever seen a really good-looking picture of a pipe is, you know, that's probably Neil's. So, uh, Neil Osborne, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Well, hello, Brian, and hello to everyone listening. Um, You know, Brian, i got to tell you, uh, before we even get started, I want to thank you. I can say I've listened to every single episode of your show, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners would agree. Um, It's special. You know, it's what you do is so important to this community. And before we started here, I was thinking to myself, I have listened to you in Europe. I've listened to you in South America. I've listened to you all over the United States, and I've listened to you in Canada. And wherever I go, you know, I, I really do listen to old episodes. Um, so I don't know if that means anything, or maybe I'm just catching my breath before we get started, but I just wanted to send you a thank you for, for what you do. It it is a service to the community. Uh, you're welcome. And I'm surprised you agreed to come on the show then. (laughs) Yeah. I was wondering what I can offer. So hopefully I won't make this too uh, ungodly boring for everybody, but, uh, let's go. How did you uh, come into pipes and pipe smoking? Pipes and pipe smoking specifically started, I know the exact time it started, was about seven years ago. I thought it was sooner, but it's amazing how time flies. Um, So it started about seven years ago, and what happened was, so prior to that, let me just be honest here. Um, I started tobacco when I was nine years old. And there, I said it in public. I said it, okay? So it's now recorded for eternity. But I did. You know, I grew up in Iowa, and you just chewed tobacco. Everybody I hung around with did. And I started very early, so it's pretty much been with me throughout my entire life. And and it's interesting because, you know, the other admission I have to make is I'm a physician. So, you know, I'm supposed to say all bad things. But I'm being very honest to this community. And so tobacco is a part of my life mostly in the form of chewing tobacco through school and, you know, all my educational years. But then I got into cigars like a lot of people do. I got into high-end premium cigars and chased that. And then what happened was about seven years ago, I had a really bad back injury. And right before that, I had gone through a divorce. Um, I have no children, so I was alone in my house here, and I had to still work. So I went through my surgery and I had a paralyzed leg and I was in a lot of pain. So if anyone's ever been through a back surgery, you know this, it's not a fun time in your life. A lot of dark thoughts, a lot of, you know, uh, sitting around and in pain at night. And it was at that time, you know, I was trying to smoke cigars, but I, uh, I went to one of my local, um, you know, spots here and I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I went to one of the local spots and, um, it happened to be a Davidoff store. They had some pipes on the wall, and I had always wondered, if you if you do cigars at all, you pick up on the, the pipe ads. But it never interested me, ever. You know, I just was chasing cigars. When, so I knew of pipes, and I thought it was interesting. Well, anyway, skipping to, to the end, so to speak, the, the guy there was a very knowledgeable pipe smoker, and I think that matters a lot. He wasn't just some weekend warrior who just sold a pipe here and there. And I asked him about pipes. I was genuinely very interested. And uh, anyway, I bought a pipe that night, and it was a Castello. I still have it. And so I bought a pretty high-end, kind of good mid-range pipe um, right off the bat. And he taught me how to how to smoke tobacco. And my first was um, basically a Scudo, if you will, or the Luxury um, Bullseye Flake equivalent, the Davidoff Flake Medallions. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful. Anyway, that night I bought three or four other cans. I said, I'm going to explore this. And I went home. And so that got me through my recovery. And I was trying to work and try to recover. And I was going to physical therapy. 
And I immediately took to this pipe community, I'd say pretty hard. Um, and it was, a, it was a very special place right from the beginning. I met some friends right off. I found people would answer questions very readily. And I just loved the flavors of the tobacco. It was a whole new world, um, combining briar with various tobacco blends. And I tell you, I, I will always look back on that as part of my recovery and changing the person that I was. And I know that might sound hokey, but it is the God's <laughs> honest truth. It, uh, I, I became a part of the pipe community at that point, and I've never looked back. So you really, I mean, but a lot of credit goes to that initial guy at the at the Davidoff store that kind of walked you through it and, and held your hand and just didn't cast you away to the wolves. Man, it, it, it like my fairy godmother. I'm still friends with him. He's actually much younger than me, but he was uh, he's one of these guys that even in his 20s, he was an old soul. And he knew a lot about tobacco. He wasn't a salesman. I mean, he knew how to talk the talk. He taught me how to rub out a flake and, you know, how to smoke the first third of the bowl, second third, final third, how to smoke slow. Um, and right off the bat, he put me on good tobacco, you know, Virginia yeah. Perique and not some flavored tobacco. And and I was ready for it. You know, being a tobacco guy, I wanted that flavor and I knew the flavors of the leaf. So, yeah, I credit him. He really, really is important. You get the wrong person, and it can lead to a whole different experience. So can you remember back, I don't know, six, seven years and kind of describe the difference between smoking a pipe and smoking some of the cigars you were? Yeah, definitely. I still smoke cigars because I have a lot of them in my humidor, but uh, it's... <sighs> It's a good question. So let me sit here for a second and do this right and not just rush into an explanation. I, I still have the selfie I took that night from my iPhone, and I, I keep it on my, my pictures, and I look at it every once in a while. And I, if I'm being honest, I felt like – I felt special, and I don't mean that as in like mm -hmm. a braggadocious way. I mean I knew – that I felt cool smoking a pipe. It felt right. And I remember I had something in my hand and I was staring at it. And if you've ever held a Castello C-Rock, which I know you have, yeah. it has texture to it. And I, I was rubbing it and I was holding it. I, I do remember that night, quite frankly. And I remember the, the and I knew how to retrohale or snork or whatever you call it. So I was amazed at that flavor and the intensity of what I've now learned is Virginia Perique, of course. Um, yeah. It's a whole different flavor than a cigar. And whereas cigars, you sit there and you think and you talk a lot, I found it enjoyable that I could just sit with my iPad and uh, and just read and smoke my pipe and not have to carry on a conversation. Not that I'm averse to having a conversation. I love that. But I also have made this comment to others. I, I'm a fly fisherman. And my brother is a basically almost a semi-professional bass fisherman, like Bassmaster Circuit stuff. And I grew up around fishing. And it's interesting. My family thinks I'm absolutely nuts because I fly fish. They don't understand <laughs> why, why, why don't I just grab a, a lure and, and a depth finder and go chase them. And I, I make the comment that fly fishing is all about the fly casting and it's all about the flies as much as the experience of actually catching a fish. And, and that is true. Lots of books have been written on this and, and I don't enjoy bass fishing, but I love fly fishing because it's, you, it's the casting. Well, the pipe is the same analogy to cigars. Cigar is, it's, I love cigars. I don't, I, I'll never, you know, not enjoy them. They'll always be my first girlfriend that I, you know, still like to talk to once in a while. <laughs> but, but the pipe is like fly fishing. It's, it's as much about the pipe and the pipe cleaner and the breath and the cadence and the act as it is the actual enjoyment of the smoke. And so it, it provides that duality to me that I find fascinating. And I know many other guys in this hobby do. And I also see a lot of new pipe smokers come in and get out like a revolving door because they don't latch on to that secondary aspect of the act of preparing and smoking and the pipe itself. Yeah. And for me, part of it is, you know, letting the pipe go out and then lighting it up again and going back at tamping and lighting and going over that over and over again, which is a lot like, well, I don't know anything about fishing, except I know that fly fishing has got a rhythmic activity to it. Yeah, 
cadence and uh yeah definitely to put that where it's supposed to go it requires a secondary skill set definitely so what was your second so, pipe my, oh that went fast pad hit hard <laughs> um and and also there was probably some percocet involved and um <laughs> no, I, I joke but i kind of tell the truth um by the way don't buy pipes under the influence um but <laughs> But it, it, it went fairly fast because I, I followed a trajectory that many new pipe smokers do follow in that first one year. Um, for those where it hits hard and that pad or pipe acquisition disorder hits, um, I, I started trying. So let me back up a second. I, I, I love to read about pipes. I can spend all night long looking at pipes. My wife even knows that. She, she, I mean, she'll wake up at three in the morning. She'll be like, what are you looking at pipes again? She's like, how many pipe pages are there? I mean, I found it <laughs> fascinating early on. I mean, I bought Richard Carlton Hacker's book. I, mean, I bought every book you could buy and, um, you know, and it just went from there. So I would read and then I would go to the online sources and I would look at shapes and, and then. I was a little unfocused at first and kind of a shotgun approach and I would try to grab different shapes and, and whatnot. But I will say this, I, I knew my addictive personality, which a lot of us have in this hobby. And I knew my propensity to go into rabbit holes full steam ahead. So I do <laughs> yeah. give myself credit. I was smart and I only focused on buying Castello pipes. And I promised myself, I actually made a promise that I would only buy Costello pipes and I would just stick to that that didn't last forever of course but for the first year I will say it was it was it was only Costello pipes I didn't buy a ton of them because you know they're not cheap but I did um, I did go that way and my second pipe was a billiard uh, my first pipe was a bent egg second pipe was a billiard and then various and then I got into grain and straight grain and you name it. That's that's one nice thing about sticking with a factory or, a, you know, a, a shop like that yeah. is that, you, you know, there's a history and you can get, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, secondary pipes or estate pipes. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word estate yeah. pipes. So I bought some estates and um, and went that way. That's the way I did it. So I was pretty I got to give myself a little credit. Um, I was fairly focused, even though the pad was doing push-ups in the background, ready to ready to kick me in the head. <laughs> so, so you put restrictors on your uh, on your acquisition disorder, just like I do, which is I primarily well, and I break that rule often, but um, I primarily only buy estate pipes, and that keeps me under control. Well, it, it, but that's a good method and it works for you. It is important, I think, and I tell people this, if you really are into this, I mean, there's a limit on the budget eventually, or you're going to probably be a, either broke or alone <laughs> or divorced. But, uh, but um, that didn't last for long. You can get into many different variations, and, of course, we can explore that later. But um, early on, I did try to break in my pipes. I tried to do it right, but that didn't last too long because the bug hit me pretty hard, and I, I started wanting more pipes. Um, and I do a thing where I bounce back and forth between pipes and tobacco. I did that for the first three to five years. I would go through phases where I would only chase certain tobaccos and try blends and then certain phases where I would, I would run to collecting. And then eventually, as you know, now I'm focused mainly on, mainly on collecting sets. That's my restriction I put on myself. I, I have, a, I have defined sets that I, I try to keep. I keep, I keep that in mind and I collect with that vision in my head. That's a perfect spot for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of those sets and we'll get to photography with uh, Neil Osborne. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. My name is Shane Ireland, and I'm the pipe manager at smokingpipes.com. It's my job to source and select the absolute best pipes from all over the world. We take collecting seriously, so you should think of us as your team of personal pipe shoppers. When you browse our site and make your selection, the pipe you've picked out has traveled from the maker to our merchandising and quality control department. It was then given to our highly skilled photographers, videographers, and copywriters before being carefully and lovingly packaged by our shipping team. The pipe you see is the pipe you get, and it's just the one you've been searching for. Whether you're on the hunt for that next special piece to add to your collection or would simply like a recommendation from our extensive selection of tobaccos, 
give us a call at 1-888-366-0345, and our friendly experts will be glad to assist you. We are quality. We are experts. We are collectors. We are SmokingPipes.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Neil Osborne, who is, uh, if you're on Instagram, it's NPOD101. Am I right? Yep. Neil Pod. That's my family name. NPOD101. Yep. All right. So let, let's talk about a couple of those. Uh, you you love the Costello Opera Pipe, right? The, the oval, bold, little pocket pipe that was meant to go to the opera and, and stick upon one's uh, waistcoat pocket, sir. Absolutely do. <laughs> um, and so it, it, that's an interesting story in and of itself, so I might as well tell it. That started a few years ago in Chicago. It was my first Chicago show, and for anyone who's ever remembered their first Chicago show, it's it's like a kid in, you know, Candyland. It's a it's a fairy tale come true. Yeah. Um, so I was up on the top floor late at night, and I bump into. Um, so I, I was talking about Castellos, and at the time I was saying I you know I only collect Castellos, etc. Um, Rex, what's his name? Poland. Pogan Paul. Uh, yeah, Rex. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, good guy. He's <laughs> yeah. animated. Um, he heard me and he said, come over here to this room. So he pulls me over into the room a few doors down and that's Chuck Rios was there. Okay. I'd never met him. And it turns out he's probably one of the most famous Castello collectors, you know, ever. Yeah. And so I, we, we ended up striking up a conversation and I, this is what happens in Chicago, by the way, at these shows, for those who don't know, I mean, you just end up in these rooms and next thing you know, you have friendships and things develop. And it, I was there for a long time and I was ended up, I was talking to him about some medical stuff and, and helping Chuck with some stuff. And, you know, he was showing me some of his pipes and he, he mentioned the, the, the old school, the, about an hour conversation about the way pipe collectors used to be, you know, it was one of these them versus now stories. Yeah. And he was saying, you know, they used to show their sets and it used to not be about buying pipes as much, but it was showing and trading and, you know, collecting. And, and he mentioned something that I'll never, I'll never forget. He said something, blah, 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 and he said, but, you know, he said, you want to f collect certain shapes of Castellos, and he gave me advice, and he said, you want to go for this one or this one, and he said, you know, don't do something stupid like try to collect an Opera 44 because, you know, they don't make them and nobody cares about them. <laughs> Bingo. That's, that's like all I needed. He said something like, you'll never be able to finish a set because they don't have all the finishes. And, uh, you know, for those who collect, especially Castellos, you know, you want in order to show it at the Chicago show, he said you need to have every shape. Um, if you're collecting a certain shape, it has to be every finish Castellos ever done. OK, and then including a couple rare stems and rare one offs and diamonds and, and things like this. And he said that opera, he's like, it, it can't be done or something like that. And that's all I needed. That was like bingo. Plus, I always liked Queen growing up. I've listened to Night at the Opera so many times. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I was, I, I just, I actually dated an opera singer for a long time. And I had this vision of wearing suits. And I'm being honest, it was nerdy, but that was yeah. it. I, I got one. And my first one I got in Munich, Germany at Fife and Huber. Uh, I took a trip right after that and I was over there and I'm telling you, it was, it went along with what I really like. My favorite style of pipe is a Lovat. If I'm being honest, I love all kinds of shapes, but, uh, nothing beats a five inch Lovat with a saddle stem. I mean, it's just comfortable yeah. and the, uh, opera 44s fit that bill, but what it really did as well is, um, they pack really well and, um, flat into my pipe cases so I can travel with them. They're lightweight. They're easy to smoke in 45 minutes. They they pretty much fit everything. Plus, it was hard to finish the set, and it took me a while, but I eventually <laughs> did it, and now I have a complete set of Opera 44s, and I love them to death. Now, what? So all the all the different finishes, and did you do did you duplicate them with a white bar stem and with a diamond in the stem? Yeah, I'm starting to. So okay. in order to get a set, it doesn't. So technically, I have all the white bars, and then you also need the diamonds. Um, now you can't finish. You can't. 
probably in a lifetime collect you know everything with a diamond and a white bar but uh but i sprinkle those in when i can find them but as anyone who has a set of anything knows once you get it and this is why i love collecting sets once you obtain a seven-day set of something for example or a three-day or whatever you want or even a two-day then you can sit back and you can then you can trade and then you can start talking and you've you've accomplished something you're not as dire to buy 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 so that's what i like and at the same time it kind of kept you focused and then you also kind of created your own little niche for you amongst the collectors yeah and and that's a story right like suddenly yeah. I, I actually kind of people talk about that and like you even mentioned <laughs> even yeah. though i have lots of pipes and i i post lots of pictures and take lots of pictures of all my other pipes um and my other sets that's the one that sticks out to people because it took a lot of energy uh to uh, believe me chasing them all over the world to get that one so talking about one of the other ones that i know of you've kind of i guess uh <laughs> I don't know how to say this, but you might have um, you might have created a niche for yourself and for Nate King. Yeah, that's <laughs> my chakra set, and uh, so during and I, I love Nate King's pipes. I love Nate King, great guy. Um, and what Nate did for me was what is a special skill set for a carver, in my opinion, because I just recently in my pipe collecting journey started doing american carvers uh, prior to that it was kind of focused um but a while back i changed over and i wanted to i did a lot of therapy um from after my back injury when i got into pipes and it involved this kind of eccentric physical therapist who was into alternative stuff and chakras and even though i didn't really do it or believe in it so to speak i i did like that energy aspect of it so i wanted the color of the rainbow i wanted roy g biv i wanted the sh colors of the chakra and that set eventually came together by me just getting frustrated, not being able to organize seven different colors into a seven day set because colors of the rainbow are seven days, seven, you know, seven, seven, seven. So I called Nate and uh, and we designed the uh, Prince set and I wanted a seven day set of his princes. And it took him. God bless him. I mean, it took a lot of effort on his part to find. I think it was the violet Bakelite and the yellow Bakelite, but he, I wanted it in Bakelite because I wanted those colors to pop and that's the way I built it. And we got a, we eventually nailed it and he delivered a phenomenal seven day set of uh, Prince pipes. And it's one of my, one of my dear sets. What? And is, then recently I also wanted the bow Nord bow pot because it's just a shape that I adored and I wanted it recreated and I couldn't think of anyone better to do it than Nate. And he just, really created a phenomenal three-day set for me there um took it to another level and that's become one of my favorite everyday smokers and that's kind of like a i guess you, you describe it as a quarter bent pot with an angled with it, it's got it's got like a bulbous bowl on it that kind of curves in and out opposite of what yeah, you normally think great description and it's really just a, a bent pipe but there's something special about that almost cartoonish shape to it it's uh it's just got a, a an old school look it looks like the 1960s it's not modern lines and but the, he did make a modern variation and brought it up to speed which i think is just a fantastic skill to do and and he, he did what i wanted and and uh i know a lot of other people have been hitting him up for him uh for that pipe but it's a great everyday smoker and all at a fraction of the price of trying to collect a Bo Nord version of that. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. So when you're, uh, let, let's go back because we're, I mean, you've got, you, you've jammed so much history of pipe collecting into a very short time for a lot of people. Uh, what is it that you look at when you're looking at a brand new pipe maker or a brand new brand? What, what is it that you're looking for that, speaks to you yeah i think that's person to person what speaks to me may not speak to somebody else i i, I my honest answer to that would be you know for anyone listening follow your heart uh, first and foremost be a pipe smoker and own up to it if you're a pipe smoker and love pipes and love tobacco then yeah. then chase chase something i don't care what it is but chase something that you love um you can find a uh, carver uh, you can find a um you could do shacomb uh, dunhill you could do factory pipes um i don't really you know i always tell people i don't care what you collect just 
collect something and, and tell me about it. I want to hear what you're interested in, and they're all special. But what I look for, um, you know, for a pipe maker, so to speak, is it's really what I look for in anything in pipes. It's the relationship. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I've, all the pipes that have gone back or uh, have sold off or have left my collection – you know, they don't have a connection for whatever reason, or some of them are hard to get rid of, and I just had to. But, but that, but the ones who mean something are from people I know, carvers I know, or you know, uh, studios I've gone to. Um, those yeah. those mean the most. Yeah, they 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 bring up an emotion when you pick them up because of the memories. Yeah. They do, and I know I've heard you say on your show that, like, you, well, I don't, I would never speak for you, but you've mentioned, like, you have certain criteria and quarter-inch thick, you know, uh, edges uh, of the bowl and whatnot. I, I honestly have pipes from all shapes. I have magnums. I, I, I'm not as picky. For me, it's more about the set and the, they, they have to be as in part of a sub-collection. That's the way my brain thinks. Um, so I don't have like a specific criteria, although I do gravitate now towards smaller pipes. That's clear as day. Um, but it doesn't mean I can't collect, you know, stuff that's not totally in my wheelhouse. Now, have you done the same thing with tobacco and just amassed a massive stockpile of stuff that you're aging and categorizing and curating a, uh, you know, a, a lifetime collection with? So, yeah, I think the standard answer is I have 27 tins of tobacco in my cellar. Um, <laughs> maybe. Is maybe your wife listening? But, yeah, no, I have a, I have a, uh, I have enough tobacco to last me the rest of my life. And um, I was, I'm very focused on that as well. Um, if anybody's seen some of my posts, you know, I, I actually have gone as far as to have a spreadsheet. I know exactly what I want. Tobacco's tricky because what happens Again, I'm not new to tobacco, but in the world of pipe smoking, or you talk to guys who have done this 40, 50 years, you know that pipe tobacco has changed, all right? So the new yeah. stuff's not like the old stuff. The old stuff's not like the really old stuff, and aging is a big deal. So I, I do put stuff away that I know is going to age 10 years from now. Yes, I've invested in that. Um, I've also bought already aged stuff so that I can know what it tastes like at 5 and 10 years, but I focus on my main wheelhouse um it's interesting i always tried to be a virginia smoker because i don't know there's just something told me you're supposed to be like refined if you're a virginia smoker it, it turns out i'm actually a burly guy um and specifically virginia burleys um boy those that is just something about that flavor that that grabs me so i've stocked up you know on that but then i also have a lot of virginias that are aging i'm like a lot of guys i started heavy on english but now it's not as it's not as much importance to me so i'm not going to throw it away or give it away but i'm not chasing english anymore how much of a blend will you smoke before you're able to decide yeah this is one i need to have in my cellar well, that's a good question. I think it's a, some of it's like true love. Um, like I knew right away a Scudo is something I'm going to have tons and tons of. It's just good. And I've had it fresh in it 25, 30 years. So I have no problem doing that. That was love at first sight. Some of them, like the Virginias, like, um, you know, they take a little time until you figure out the nuance to it. And it takes like two or three years, honestly, of smoking it repetitively before you realize how and when to smoke it, what type of weather to smoke it, what type of day you've had to smoke it. Um, and then there's my everydays, like um, Exhausted Rooster by Cornell and Deal. I mean, I, I smoke that all the time if I'm walking the dogs. It's just like my go-to kind of, you know, basic, you know, walking the dog blend. Yeah. So you, so you are, you're, you're constantly working with, the, with it to see where it fits and how it fits. And if it just, is a blend that isn't working for you will you at least work through the whole tin and try different ideas or will you Let's or will you smoke one and and then chunk it <laughs> i'm I, i'm i'm just to that point in my middle age life where i know if there's something's not right i'll i'll pass it on i just don't have the time I'm also lucky, and otherwise I used to work with everything. I used to try to smoke every pipe to the bottom. I used to try to, you know, do everything right. Now I, I know a little bit more of what I like, so that's nice. Yeah. 
Um, then you think you got everything figured out and then a new blend from Germany or something comes along and you're like, oh my God, this is awesome. I, and then you promised yourself you were done. So it never ends, right? And then you, you get more. <laughs> but I'm, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable, at least in my tobacco journey. And I'm also lucky that I'm a pipe guy. I'm more of a pipe guy than I am tobacco. Tobacco is very important to me, but I, I like them both together. And I don't, I wish sometimes I could just, you know, enjoy, you know, all tobacco and not care as much about the pipe experience. But for me, it's, it's both. All right. And because of your Instagram account and because of the photography on it, I, I'm assuming that photography is another hobby that you went deep down the rabbit hole and had to figure out all the how to, where to, why to's and really work on it and practice at it to start taking the pictures that you've taken. Oh God. Yeah. That's been a lifelong journey. Um, so I used to own a little medical photography company doing what's called macro photography. It was medical photography. I used to shoot little screws yeah. for like orthopedic companies and I made money on the side and it was a tax uh, thing that I did to buy more equipment. Um, so I had, I had that equipment. Um, so I've always liked to do product photography and um, I asked a very well-known photographer about two years ago for some lessons. And I said, you know, I want to take it to the next step. I want to start doing some, some higher level stuff. And he didn't have time for me. And, and I, that's fine. But he said something that stuck to me. He said, tell you what, why don't you take 10,000 pictures of something that you really care about and then get back to me. And <laughs> probably the next day I, I started this thing called Instagram um, just because I'm a visual learner. I had never been on Instagram and I said, that's it. So I, I really, I read a book on it and it said, you know, to be a good photographer and get your skills honed, you got to take, you got to photograph what you care about and what you're passionate about. So I started taking stupid pictures of my, uh, of my pipe collection and my <laughs> daily routine. Cause you don't see a lot of that in the pipe world. It's all written word and forums and old books. And lo and behold, I, found this wonderful community on Instagram of guys who do the same thing. And I can look at it all night long, all night. Facebook, not so much for me, but that's a personal thing. I just, mm -hmm. Instagram, you can flip, 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 and just see people doing their daily stuff in the pipe world. And it's awesome. Well, it really shows if any of you are Instagram on Instagram and you're not following Neil again, it's NPOD 101. Look him up. Neil, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Oh, let's do it. What is your favorite pipe? Ooh, very tough question. If I am being honest, my favorite pipe is a long shank, pencil shank, stack billiard, virgin pipe made by Tom Elping. Mm. And there's just, it, the pipe has no place, no reason to be in my collection. It's not my style. It's like over six inches long, but this pipe has magic in it. It's just one of those ones. It, it never fails and it delivers. And I, I, it's my favorite pipe. And what is your favorite tobacco? My favorite tobacco, that one's easy, is Commodore Flake, Silum's Commodore Flake. That's a that's an odd an oddity that's hardly mentioned. But um, what is your favorite drink? Uh, coffee, like coffee yeah. and tea. Good old coffee. Mm. Um, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A book. I'm a I'm a reader, uh, visual reader. Book something to look at instead of um, TV. Do you mind Kindle or eBooks, or do you have to have the paper book? I made this thing happen in my life over the last year, and especially during the current times of coronavirus, for those listening in the future, that's what hey. we're in right now. I have been minimizing my life like crazy, whether it be you know my photography equipment, my books, my shelves. My, uh, I've been trying to minimize. So I've been slowly getting rid of almost all my books except for the ones that matter. And I've been going more and more and more towards ebooks. Uh, hard to do mm -hmm. with some of the older tobacco publications I chase. And um, I also have been making my way through the two volumes of the Pipe Smokers Ephemeris. Um, and I'm about two thirds of the way through. I actually purchased those copies. Um, so pipe stuff, not as easy to get online, but are, you know, electronic. But other than that, I'm electronic. And then finally, do you have a pi uh, favorite pipe smoking related memory that we haven't talked about? 
Whew. Yeah, you know, okay, this is without a doubt probably my favorite one. This was a few years ago in Chicago, and I was upstairs in the smoking pipes room. It was very late at night, and we were all chatting and looking at pipes, and in walks Tom Eltang with his entourage, and there was a couple of younger guys with him, and I'm smoking a pipe, and this guy comes over to me, and he says, hi, my name is Johannes, and it, you know, it turns out it's Johannes Rasmussen of Sir Pipes, and he had just, it was his very first Chicago show, he's like a young kid, full of energy, walks over and introduces himself to me, and I looked at him, and I said, you're Sir Pipes, and he said, yeah, and I literally was smoking one of his pipes that I had purchased <laughs> a couple of months earlier on the Danish pipe shop. The look in his face, and he and I keep in touch, and he still talks about it as his favorite memory, and it really was fabulous. I literally was smoking his pipe, and I didn't know who he was. You know, he just walks up and introduces himself to me, and that was so cool, you know, only in this community. <laughs> I, I loved it. Once again, follow Neil on Instagram. Neil, thank you very much for coming on, and uh, thanks for thanks for telling us your uh, your your stories and your, your pathway into the uh, wonderful pipe world. My pleasure. Thanks, everyone. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series. Wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. Make sure that if you are on Instagram that you follow Neil. And while you're on Instagram, follow me. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll post more often, maybe. I promise. I don't know. But anyway, Neil's photography is just is just great. You get a You, you really get a chance to see his pipes and see his pipe collection and uh and really good pictures all right for uh, the normal music spot uh this was sent to me by paul and it's a uh it, it's a poem titled nobody loves you by ramon montaigne and it's primarily cigarette smoking related but i want you to listen to it and the best part of it is uh, this was on Garrison Keillor's Writer's Almanac back in August of 2012. So this was read on Garrison Keillor's show uh, one month before this podcast premiered. Hard to believe. Uh, but anyway, I found the original recording of Garrison Keillor reading it. So here it is. Here's a poem for today by Ramon Montaigne, Nobody Loves You. Once I lived a life of some renown. People looked up to me in this town. They listened to what I had to say. I was well regarded at Bud's Cafe. Then one dark day they passed a law. No smoking, zero, nada. And I became persona non grata. Now I go out on the sidewalk to take a drag. Me and the homeless lady with the garbage bag. Ginger Rogers smoked and so did Fred Astaire. Clark Gable and Cary Grant. And nowadays, you simply can't. People don't want elegance. They want clean air. Me and Bogey and Ernie Hemingway, Huck Finn, Woody Guthrie, Prince Andre, members of a noble, fatalist elite forced to stand out on the street. One cold day, I was talking to Chopin, who was shivering, smoking a cigarette, Turkish, is this a decent way to treat a man who wrote those magnificent mazurkas? And there you go. A short one. But, uh, yeah, um, how's that for uh, time changing and looking back at? Plus, I absolutely love listening to Garrison Keillor. So. Uh, but that 
poem is going to have a little bit to do with my rant coming up in just a few minutes. What's this? A letter for me. And remember, if you have a comment or question, you can email them directly to me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. Or you can post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine right at each episode. There's comments down below. You can do that. Uh, you can uh, leave the comments at iTunes or Apple Podcasts, uh, just like Kingfish242 did. And he said, if you want to learn about the pipe and pipe tobacco world, five stars. Uh, listen to this podcast. I have found it very informative. The guest interviews are full of pipe history and knowledge from people in the pipe world. So thank you very much. I greatly appreciate that. And again, iTunes ratings, reviews, those are absolutely wonderful. Uh, and then let's see, going back to, uh, well, first of all, let me thank Paul for uh, submitting that from the Writer's Almanac. Uh, if you have anything like that, anything at all, you know, just send it along. Uh, going back to last week, Casey Ghost writes, I greatly enjoyed this show. Lyle had friendly had a friendly and engaging style to his patter. 100 pipes is a lot for a guy who says he isn't much of a collector, but he is right. Compared to some folks, he isn't much of a collector. On your rant on baseball, I'm shocked that you could say so many inaccurate statements in so short a time. <laughs> I'll just say that that's not a record for me. But uh, then uh, Dan goes on to write, Name any sport that is currently playing and there are no fans there. NASCAR, golf, you name it, none of them are permitting fans. As for steroids in baseball, it's amazing that so many people blame baseball for this. Do you not understand that the players' union would not allow any testing of players? It wasn't until Congress stepped in that the players' union folded on this issue, and that was after McGuire and Sosa had their tremendous duel. Meanwhile, pro football players are taking anything and everything by the bucket load and are basically given a four-game pass and nobody says much. And as for the cost of going to a game, you're saying going to a Yankees game is the standard. That's the most expensive place on the planet to go to. Outside the Yankee Stadium, outside of Yankee Stadium price things, yes, Major League Baseball costs a lot of money to go to, but so does anything else but not $500 per family of four uh, for uh, other stadiums. Concessions are brutal at all sports and entertainment venues you go to. If you don't like the game, just saying it's too slow or boring or something else equally innocuous, but don't say things that are ridiculous and untrue. Uh, let me back up and defend myself just a little bit. Uh, NASCAR is racing in front of fans. Uh, there are some uh, soccer matches overseas that I believe have some fans, so some fans are coming back into it. Uh, I guess my uh, my thing of $300 to have your cardboard cutout sitting in a chair and staring at the game, and then if you get hit by the ball, if you get hit by the ball, you get to keep it. I guess that, you know, well, yeah, it just kind of struck me as a little greedy. Um I was aware of the players' union, and when I said baseball, I meant, you know, players, owners, everybody, the whole thing. And no, I do not think that the Yankee Stadium is the standard for pricing. I just said that I believe that calling $500 a family value thing is kind of outrageous for what they said. So that was all I got to say. Um, I do enjoy baseball. I love watching. I love going to the minor league games. Uh, when we, especially when we were able to smoke up on the uh, uh, smoke up on the on the walkway at the single A game here, we used to go a lot, and I'd stand there with a cigar or pipe and watch the games. And I love watching baseball, uh, but we only have minor league games here. Anyway, thank you, Dan. Uh, Dino says that this was a very engaging, fun show. Kyle's breezy conversation was wide-ranging and refreshing. His song was terribly entertaining, and as you said, the album will be a perfect Halloween soundtrack. Uh, my disappointment with Major League Baseball is that Cubs games will no longer be broadcast on free TV. I've been watching them on WGN for more than 60 years. Now they want me to pay... Uh, now they want me to pay to watch. Ain't happening. Thanks for an always entertaining show, Dino. Yeah, and, and Dino, let me just say that, um, you know, as for the, the pay-per-view or the pay channels, the streaming services, you know, that's the wave of the future, and we're going to, 
I fear that we are going to completely lose commercial broadcast TV and end up on the a la carte uh, streaming services, and that's just going to be kind of the wave of the future. Uh, and we're uh, we're trying to do our best to uh, embrace it here. But I will tell you, from a pipe smoking standpoint, when you go when you sit down to stream a show and you just get to sit in front of the TV for hours on end, you know that makes pipe smoking a whole lot a uh, whole lot more enjoyable. Anyway, uh, again, comments, questions, email me Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Uh, travel stuff. If you're thinking of going anywhere, reach out to me first, brian.levine at mei-travel, or send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. Uh, I am keeping abreast of the most recent, uh, you know, the most recent events, and trying to keep up to date with all the new rules and regulations and policies and stuff. And there's going to be some, uh, there's going to be some really good deals out there. So hopefully they don't get rid of any more smoking areas on the ships. Anyway, all right, rant time coming up next. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. The word for today is empathy. This is the word that I want you to learn, and if you don't know it, I want you to understand it. Uh, Empathy, as described, is the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of reference. That is the capacity to place oneself in in another's position. And I use that frame in regards to that uh, poem of empathy for the cigarette smoker who got booted out out onto the streets. Well, we must have empathy for our cigarette smoking brethren. Uh, because, uh, you know, they didn't have any, well, they did, if they had empathy for us when we, uh, when bars started banning or restaurants started banning pipes and cigars from the restaurants, well, maybe they wouldn't have gotten the cigarettes booted out. But anyway, uh, if the world had more empathy right now, it would be a much, a much better place. I use, for example, the fact that I do not like Latakia blends. But I empathize for those that really do like Latakia blends and may find it hard to find their favorite one from a favorite British manufacturer and have to pay overpriced for it because when it comes out, it gets flipped and doubled and tripled sometimes. Well, I empathize for those people because if I had to do that for my favorite blends, well, I'd hope they'd have empathy for me. Uh, In uh, regards to our friend Kevin Godby here, you know, this uh, shutdown has been tough on his uh, gourmet dining, and I empathize for him, even though my idea of gourmet dining and his idea are sometimes completely different things. But I am able to put myself in his position and understand that I might be, you know, that I might be bothered by missing some of my favorites. So anyway, what I think right now, what the world needs is a whole lot more empathy and uh, a whole lot less uh, yelling and screaming. Anyway, there you go. So study the word empathy for me. It's a pipe smoker's word, definitely, because it's big and fancy. All right. Uh, Once again, uh, thank you to Neil Osborne for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather.
it up. Tell me The number you have dialed is not in service. Please check the number and try your call again. Thank you.